we're trying to create people who are a force to be reckoned with, who don't, who don't just know what they believe, but they know why they believe it, and they can defend it articulately, passionately, and without backing down. Not being a jerk, but certainly um, not letting down. Their truth and their core political belief is their religion. And they are so adamant and passionate and emotional about it because that is their God with a little G. God really pressed on his heart. You need to go back to the girl that you had that abortion with and you need to apologize to her. And you need to apologize to her face to face. Fetus phobic is someone who is afraid of the natural consequences of heterosexual sex and is terrified of a preborn child, of a little baby. And I like to say that Roe v. Wade is the story or the court case everyone has heard of, but nobody knows anything about. Welcome, as I said, Dr. Alveda King to Fide's podcast. Dr. King, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Jerry, and hello, everyone. Uh, Governor Walker, thanks for being here. My pleasure. Uh, great to be with you. I should say it's a pleasure for me to be here. I think Rush is doing that, too, and he's doing it at a time of covid the crisis and he is he's basically saying look i may be dying but i'm not dead father pavone thank you so much for being here thanks jerry it's great to be with you and uh, with our viewers but they have an objective the objective is more tax money more control and a promotion of a political ideology it's a pro-socialist secular worldview Hello and welcome to another edition of Fides Podcast. My name is Jerry Serino and I'm your host and I'm here with talent on loan from Rush. Hey, there are a lot of champions out there uh, for life and champions for people that don't choose life, right? There's a lot of healing. There's a lot of need for uh, sort of recovery and certainly a lot of support for all the people involved in abortions. And my guest today is Kevin Burke. Kevin is the co-founder of Rachel's Vineyard Ministries, and we're here to talk about all the work that he's doing to help people. Kevin, thanks for joining me. Great to be with you. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. Really, I really appreciate you being here. So let's start off really quickly um, and tell my listeners uh, all about Rachel's Vineyard, how it got started, and, and all that your organization does. Okay, well, I'll give you brief overview of how it got started. My wife, Teresa, was a graduate student in psychology, and she was doing, uh, as part of her internship, she was doing a group for women with eating disorders, anorexia, bulimia. And uh, in the, one of the evenings, uh, the subject of abortion came up, and it was very volatile, all kinds of different reactions from hardcore feminists to complete avoidance. Just, It was clearly a very uh, explosive kind of an emotional event for these people. And she wondered uh, at this point, now not coming from a pro-life perspective, she wondered, uh, did this or is this contributing in any way to their symptoms, their eating disorder symptoms? So she went to her supervising psychiatrist and said, look, I'd like to explore this a little more, you know, and he's kind of shook his finger at her and he said, I forbid you to address this topic it has nothing to do with their symptoms. Maybe they need their medication adjusted. She would have away from that meeting purely from a professional perspective and said, uh, this is, these people need an opportunity to talk about what their experience of abortion. So she then started the first support group at first coming from a psychological perspective. And then she developed her Rachel's Vineyard process, which has a very strong spiritual healing component. It's a weekend program takes place from Friday to Sunday. She was way ahead of the game in terms of integrating spirituality experiential spirituality, meditation, scripture, along with psychological techniques that are very effective of going to the heart of this wound and bringing emotional and spiritual healing. 
and spread and it spread from one retreat <laughs> that happened here uh, locally in Darby, Pennsylvania, and it's now all over the United States. And there's you know hundreds, of thousands of retreats now around the world. Uh, praise be to God. Of course, we want we want to be out of business as soon as possible, but uh, you know for now there is a, there is a great need. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Being out of business would be a good thing for, for groups like uh, Rachel's Vineyard and Priest for Life. But uh, I don't think that that will ever happen. Un- unfortunately, even if abortion is made illegal, uh, we're, we're still going to have to do what we're doing. So, so you, so your wife is the founder and you're the co-founder. That's where the co-founder comes in. So you, you like me, it sounds like you married up. Uh, so uh, that, that, that's really. <laughs> in many different ways, I would say that's true. So, so let's talk about uh, some of the things that I, I am getting ready for to talk to you. Um, I, I did a lot of you know research, and I'm obviously always researching on this topic. And one of the things that uh, you have talked about is uh, the issue of abortion as it relates to a cycle of poverty, not just not just poverty, because all all types of people have abortions, rich, poor, and everywhere in between. Uh, but for many people who who are poor have an abortion because they think I can't afford it. You're, you, we have data and you have knowledge and experience that actually abortion perpetuates poverty. So explain that a little bit. Yes. And this is true for women and men. And, and, and I've come across this in two different, two different formats. And again, this is coming from hundreds of stories of people who have experienced abortion who are living at or below the poverty line or working class folks. So in the female population, for example, you have a higher percentage of women who have experienced various forms of abuse, particularly sexual abuse, uh, particularly in minority communities. Um, and, and some statistics point to one in four have some sort of molestation or outright abuse or rape experience. Um, when they bring that experience, first of all, that experience will make them vulnerable then, of course, to acting out in various ways in their relationships, which makes them vulnerable to an unplanned pregnancy. However, once that abortion takes place, what it does is it kind of interconnects with the previous trauma. In other words, a woman has experienced a violation, very intimate violation of her body, her spirit. Um, And so she then experiences in the abortion procedure, as Teresa writes about in her book, Forbidden Grief, she experiences a reenactment in a sense of that a violation of her body and of her spirit, of her emotions, and she's re-traumatized. So then she is, is going to then act out again on those symptoms. She's going to try to repress the painful feelings in various ways, drugs and alcohol. She's more prone to sexual acting out after that. She's more prone to have increasing dysfunctional boundary relationships. So therefore, uh, any living children she has as a, you know after the abortion, She's more likely then to invite partners into her life uh, who are going to be uh, abusing her children or not going to be uh, good fathers in various ways. So that's one example, as you could see, Jerry, where uh, where we're trying to, and a lot of people, well-meaning people see a woman who has a chaotic family background. You see these cycles of, of uh, you know, unplanned pregnancy, and they think that, well, the only compassionate thing to do there is to end the pregnancy and we break the pattern. Well, no, you don't. You actually are throwing gasoline on pre-existing sparks. It's not the answer. It's a tempting answer. And I've worked with, as a social worker, in very difficult family situations and neighborhoods. And I know, I understand the temptation, 
But on the other end of abortion, I can tell you it's not. So that's the female. Would you like me to share from the male perspective? Yes, absolutely. And before before we do that, I want to just just from my perspective, a comment. And I th- I think what you had said at the beginning, how your wife went to her her boss or, or supervisor, whoever, and said, "Hey, I'm I'm seeing something here. I want to investigate this." And his initial his reaction was no. And you know that always tells me that that people who are truly in the healthcare field aren't always really truly in the healthcare field because if they're not willing to to learn and understand their field, like in this case, it, then then they're not truly interested in healing. Your wife was. And, and if that is being ignored because of political reasons or political beliefs, then the underlying issue that a particular patient is dealing with is never dealt with. Therefore, there's no healing. And that that's really sad to me. So, but yes, absolutely. Please talk about it from, because I think that when we we think about abortion, obviously it, it is tremendously taxing and, and hurtful and on women, but it also is on on men. And as, and as I've heard you explain too on another show, grandparents, right? When you think about a child who's aborted, that child has grandparents, that's their flesh and blood. Yes. Please speak to it from this perspective of all the people involved. Let me first comment on what you shared about the, uh, the Teresa supervisor, because you touch on a very, very important point, and it's an obstacle to people getting help. So many professional professionals, particularly in the fields of psychology and counseling and social work, uh, but now it's pervasive in our society. It's ideology first, and it's really truth and what's best for the patient second. And so the ideology of pro-abortion, pro-choice, uh, becomes the most important factor. And unfortunately, uh, that's an obstacle to healing. But this, the other fact that acts in a synergistic fashion with these folks is that a lot of them have abortion in their background or they've referred people to abortion. So there's an inner discomfort with even going there, either in their personal emotional life or in their own culpability in that. They're often unaware and unconscious, no matter how smart they think they are, they're often blind to this. And so uh, they're an obstacle often to healing and, and their education. And we try to really do a lot of work to inform prof- professionals and educate them. That's a big part of what we do. So let's uh, shift also and look at uh, men. And I'll, I'll just give you one population of men that really taught me a lot about this issue, particularly for poor minority communities. And I had an opportunity to go to a Rachel's Vineyard uh, ministry outreach that's in two maximum security prisons in Florida. So these are guys that, you know, armed robbery, murder, you know, major drug kinds of stuff. And uh, when they first introduced the idea of doing a uh, abortion healing program in the prison, the chaplain there said, I don't know, we're dealing with a lot of really serious issues. I don't even know if this is that much of a big deal to these guys. So he did an informal survey with in two different chapel services, two different maximum security prisons, roughly 100 men. He did an anonymous thing where they just wrote in a paper if they had an abortion and did that abortion have a significant impact, negative impact in their life. And he was very surprised because 90% of the men in that room had an abortion in their history. So he was open to going further with it. So we started the program and I went down there after it was going for a couple of years. I interviewed the chaplain, I interviewed a number of the men who have been through the program, inmates, and, uh, and I interviewed the counselors. And this is what I discovered. And this is right from the guy's experience. These guys all have father wounds. As we find, and you look in a poor community, minority community, particularly the African-American, major issues with fathers. So these guys had absent fathers, rejecting fathers, abusive fathers. 
And it was all the guys had that common wound. They then compensated for that vulnerability and rejection by, you know, developing various levels of narcissistic kind of personality traits, you know, macho traits. And then when they had an abortion or abortions in their adolescence, and again, this is them understanding this on the other side of healing, but they put it together when they get healed. They said, when I had that abortion, all that, all those pre-existing issues, just like with the women, you're, again, you're throwing gasoline on the sparks. And so then what before was rage, anger, you know, complicated grief, then gets more intensified and then it gets acted out in their relationships, in criminal, impulsive criminal behavior, all the way up to situations that resulted in murder. Now, there, were, there was one or two cases where it was a causative factor. In most of the cases, it's a contributing factor. It's not the only reason that, that these men, you know, are engaged in criminal activity, but a very significant one. Here's the beautiful thing. In their healing journey, you have, to, and you have to deal with what happened to you, tell your story. You have to learn to grieve in a healthy way. So it, to make a little story short, it helped them to grieve that experience of being emotionally aborted as young men and then later being you know, the victimizer, the abuser, and reconcile and heal, connect with God as a loving father, reconcile with that child. It has a very, a very strong uh, healing impact in their life, and it really has changed the life for these men in the prison. Uh, and it was really powerful to uh, to hear these men's journey, but it also was very enlightening. Now, that has relevance to men outside of prison because you have, if you have trauma or abuse, divorce in your background, and then have an abortion, similar dynamics. If that makes sense, Trey. Wow. Yeah, I, I would have never thought that either from a prison perspective. Uh, I, I've done actually a, a couple different shows on the father wound, um, actually, and and obviously that is a that is a big deal. But you but you do see how how, whether it's a father wound, whether it's an abortion, whether it's whatever the issue is, is how that begets, you know, the next generation and the next generation. And there's your cycle, right? It's very difficult to end that. And, um, you know, our goals are those of us, I guess, on our side, our goals are the goals that are, are striving to for perfection, right? We're never perfect. There's never going to be empty jails, right? But imagine a world in which there wasn't abortion, in which there there weren't single moms or at least the same level where relationships with fathers and mothers were all good. In other words, the family unit was was strong. Nobody's perfect, right? Imagine what the opposite cycle effect would be. And that's what we strive for. So what, what do you see as far as um, you know, some of the things that's going on, I don't know if this is an area you're interested or open to talking about. And that is, uh, you know, some of the stuff we're seeing with transgender is, is that an area that is that you deal with Because that obviously affects the family. And I think it's, it's similar in the sense that we are seeing young people who want to transition or things like that. And people say, go for it. Right. They, they even praise it or here's drugs to help you rather than saying, no, 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 this is an underlying issue you have maybe due to childhood trauma or something like that. In other words, it's also being ignored and the the person is not being helped similar to, you know, some of the points you made about abortion. If you ignore it and say, Nope, that's not the issue, then you're never addressing the issue. So what's your experience or expertise uh, or knowledge in this area? Well, I, I actually was looking at this issue a few years ago because I was seeing a lot of correlations with, 
uh, my work, but also with the whole issue of abortion and the corruption of language. You know, one of the first things that they did as they were laying the groundwork for legalized abortion is they manipulated language and used very sophisticated messaging uh, to, you know, to frame the debate in a way that worked for their goals. Um, but in the end, you know, we're, of course, we're very, are very destructive, not only to the children in the womb, but to, to the, to the parents as well. There's a, there's a disfigurement, there's an emotional, physical disfigurement that takes place uh, and an actual destruction of the, of the fetus, of course. So I was seeing a lot of parallels in the ideology. And again, I think of it as an ideology, uh, not, not so much as a, in, in, uh, as, a, as, a, as an issue of social justice for people who are struggling with these issues. Um, I, I see it more as, as it's getting locked into a particular form of thinking that distorts one to the point where you're not able to see what's in front of you and the, and the truth that's in front of you. The impact on families is unbelievably destructive. Um, you know, I was uh, particularly concerned about uh, women who, have ex who are on the autism spectrum because they are particularly vulnerable uh, to this kind of ideology. And so when you introduce this in, with young women and particularly young adolescent women and their autism spectrum and they're struggling with issues of sexual identity uh, and, and you uh, introduce this ideology, uh, they are vulnerable then to uh, engage in the kind of self-destructive behaviors and confusion and, and wanting to change. Uh, I, there's, a, there's a mother who tells a story, she's a social worker herself, she tells the story of what happened to her daughter, who's on the autism spectrum and got caught up in this. And she was denied the opportunity to intervene and, the woman, and she ended up having a mas mastectomy. And what happens is, is in, over time, these, these, um, as they come into adulthood, oftentimes there's a, there's just a great regret that radical actions that had been taken that are irreversible. Um, so, and on a deeper level, it, I, I, it's truly diabolical. It as I see it as something that really will bring judgment upon our nation. I mean, abortion in itself will do that if we continue to on this road. And I say judgment in the sense is the consequences of this spiritually are so demonic and evil, uh, and they bring such confusion and blindness that we will see the uh, we won't see the dangers and the risks and the attacks that we're going to be facing in the future because we're going to be disarmed in a sense by this evil. So that's true on an individual level for vulnerable young women and men, true on a family level, but it's true on a larger level as a nation. Uh, you know, and you can see this now with our responses to the pandemic. Uh, you know, there, there's a spirit, there's a totalitarian spirit that, it, that it seems to me that infests these ideologies. And, and then you see it in people's response, the response to the pandemic has that kind of a spirit to it. This response to, to, to young people struggling with gender issues, uh, the response is so radical and destructive. So, um, yeah, I'm deeply concerned about, uh, deeply, deeply concerned about this, particularly with our most vulnerable young people. Yeah, it, I, I feel so, so awful for these young people who, who don't know what they don't know. And that's why as parents, as adults, we're there to guide them, right? I mean, that's what we're here to do. We, if we let our, our young teenagers and early adolescent kids do whatever they thought made sense, we would be irresponsible. But yet um, this is, again, like another example of what, what we were talking about earlier is instead of addressing the underlying issue, 
and looking to help people. It, like you said, it's ideology first, and that's really, really sad uh, to in me. 80, in eighty-five percent of the in eighty-five percent of the cases, at least, issues of gender dysphoria will resolve themselves if you child to go through adolescence and into young adulthood. They may still struggle with some issues of same-sex attraction and that kind of thing, but it's going to be cutting off their breast and taking dangerous hormones. Yeah. Right. Things that are, that are very detrimental to you and are long lasting. Yeah, it is. It is very sad. I, I, I like to say, and I actually did a, a short episode on, on saying, you know, this, you, you mentioned diabolical. I believe this is all influenced that's going on influenced by Satan. This is evil. There's no question. And for some people that would say, no, 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 that's not the case. I'd say, well, what would he do different? Right. What would he be doing differently? If, if I was right, he would, he wouldn't be doing anything different. He would be destroying the family, pushing abortion, all this transgender. This would be that's exactly what uh, would be done. It's it, it's a it's a direct personal attack upon God, the Father, and Creator. It, it, there's no question about that, and uh, it's it's uh, it's a very sophisticated strategy, and it, it, it it's <laughs> you know it's not the horns and the it's not the uh, the Halloween images which can be satanic, but it's not those kind of comical in, images of Satan. It's not it's not a little snake in the guard. It's a diabolical, powerful, sophisticated uh, force that will use all kinds of strategies and vulnerable people to accomplish its end game, which is the desecration of God's creation. Absolutely. So I just, um, just to go on to uh, our sort of last subject or topic, uh, can you see my screen here where I have I can, uh, yes. the article that you wrote? This is what caught my attention and said, oh, I got to talk to this guy. Uh, obviously, I know Father Pavone and I know Janet Morana. They've been both been on my, my program and this is what caught my eye. So this is um, an article you wrote and I'd love for you to talk about it here and, and talk about it from the perspective, you know, if you look at the title, the Biden regime is aggressively spreading the heirs of Russia, as a blessed mother warned at Fatima. I'm Catholic, you're Catholic, so we know what Fatima is and all that. For those that might not know or be as familiar with Fatima and what was warned, start with that. And then, uh, you know, if you can go through your article. Yeah, well, the as the uh, First World War was, was about to come to a close, uh, when the mother, the mother of Jesus appeared because she knows just as she knew that Satan was operating on a number of different powerful and influential fronts and setting the stage for an even greater manifestation of evil and destruction. And so she was coming to warn the human family that uh, there was something that was about to be unleashed from Russia, which, which is uh, communist atheistic Marxism, and that that was going to spread around the world in various ways, which would lead to a great uh, would lead to a set, would lead to another world war, which would be even more destructive, and which of course had the Holocaust and the persecution of the church. And then, with the spread of, of Russia's evil and the Second World War, we also saw Russia, uh, which became temporarily a quote ally, but in a sense was also given Eastern Europe, and so consolidated their persecution of the church and spread their continued to spread the errors of Marxism in the years ahead. Uh, one of the errors of Marxism uh, was also abortion. Abortion was very soon after the uh, Bolsheviks took power in Russia, abortion was legalized. And uh, they developed uh, some of the early techniques uh, for abortion all through nine months of pregnancy. 
And throughout the uh, Russian control or the communist control of Russia and Eastern Europe, the abortion rates were unbelievably high. I mean, up to eight abortions per woman, as were, of course, the symptoms associated with that, which is like massive alcoholism and other kinds of issues. So when she, she also talked about it, Fatima, various nations would be annihilated. And one of my colleagues, who's um, the head of our Rome office, uh, a priest for life, pointed out that various nations had been annihilated. If we look at the number of abortions, which is you know now a billion, particularly of of, uh, of little little girls in uh, in China and places, uh, so you know various nations in a sense have been annihilated. But now there's this other aspect to that, and this is why I brought in the Biden regime. Because we're still in that period of the unfolding of the eras of, of Russia, but now we're dealing with a neo-Marxist, uh, a neo-Marxist repackaging of the communist eras, and now they're using uh, racial division, transgender ideology, various ways that they can attack the tra traditional family, the tra traditional Christian understanding, the tr Christian anthropology of the human person and human sexuality. They're now using those ideologies within, uh, with the marriage of consu advanced consumer capitalism, capitalism and the alliance with corporate power and government power to now advance these ideologies. As you, you see this unfolding and you look at the Biden regime and you see neo-Marxist uh, revolution that they're attempting to consolidate now and they're, they're attempting, if they're successful, they will try to crush all opposition to that. So when you see parents protesting at school board meetings against critical race theory, well, they're going to try to bring the Justice Department against that. Why? Because they're cultural Marxists. They're people that have lost their faith, the Judeo-Christian faith. And many of them are compromised by personal sin, such as abortion and sexual sin that has also contributed to their blindness and opening the possibility for uh, demonic and uh, you know infiltration of their thinking and becoming agents of the satanic agenda. Does that make sense, Jerry? I know I'll throw them a lot out there with your viewers. No, no, this the it, it makes a ton of a lot of sense. Very, very well put, and it's right up my alley as far as you know all this Marxism stuff. I mean, I, I think that uh, the whole concept of Marxism has gotten you know gotten confused by those that don't even know what it means. You know, for example, when they when they call they call our side, you know, uh, they call us Nazis. <laughs> you know, Nazis were socialists. That's who they were. I mean, we're you and I and our ideology is nothing to do with Nazism, and um, and it's it's all really the same. It's it's the powerful in charge of everybody's life. And that's what they want. And that's certainly what's happening with Biden. Uh, I mean, it's not hard to, it's not, we shouldn't be surprised, you know, you know, Hillary Clinton was a, an admirer of Marxists. Obama was an admirer of Marxists. There's no question. Uh, Bernie Sanders is an admitted, basically communist. I mean, it, there's no hiding it. That's, that's what they are. You know, very, very well put. I think that was great. And I would encourage everyone to read the article. Where, where can they find the article? They can find it at, at priestforlife.org, correct? Yes, if you go to priest, uh, priestforlife.org and you go to our blog section, you'll see my uh, my blog there. Okay, great. And um, so where where can everybody find, uh, find you and Rachel's Vineyard and get involved, uh, support you financially or in any way that they, they can? How could they uh, uh, get involved? You, uh, if you go to rachelsvineyard.org, 
You'll find uh, all the healing retreats because, you know, healing these wounds is going to be a big part of our recovery from this stuff and, and healing our nation is healing some of the deeper wounds of our of our culture. So rachelsvineyard.org. You can also, uh, I have a book on men and abortion, tearsofthefisherman.org. Uh, and uh, that's a good place to start. Thank you for bringing, bringing up the book. Um, you, you've actually written a couple books, correct? If, if you want to yes. maybe, um, can they find all those? Uh, where can they find your books? Uh, you can find this book, Tears of the Fisherman, which is on men and abortion. And there's a whole chapter on the prison ministry. That's at thefisherman.org. And this kind of touches on some of the wider cultural issues with abortion, and that's uh, Rivers of Blood, Oceans of Mercy. If you go to the Priests for Life store on the Priests for Life site, you can find all my all my stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Please do. So priestsforlife.org, uh, rachelsvineyard.org. Uh, uh, and, and it's really great to, to see, you know, I always think about, you know, how Planned Parenthood says that they're there for women and the, and the like, and you only care about uh, babies in the womb. After that, you know, your group and others like yours are the ones that are caring for women and men and others afterwards, whether they had, you know, if they had an abortion, you're not judging, you're not asking to put them in jail, you're, you're helping them. Planned Parenthood is not helping them in, in any way, shape, or form. Um, so the pro-life movement is truly pro-life, pro-woman, um, and, and that's in pro-family for sure. So uh, Kevin Burke, this was really, really great conversation. I love what you're doing. I love your organization and all that you do. So uh, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate the opportunity. God bless you and God bless all your viewers. Thank you. You you as well. And, and thank all of you for listening to this episode of Feed Ace Podcast with Kevin Burke of rachelsvineyard.org. Uh, he is the co-founder. His better half is the founder. Uh, hopefully we're going to have her on my show as well. Uh, please go to rachelsvineyard.org or priestforlife.org. Check out um, all that they do and to get uh, his books as well. So again, thanks for listening. Check me out on all the different podcast apps, YouTube, Rumble, and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern on rightamericamedia.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you soon.